yeah, like even like on my jump skis, I'd go run the slalom course and like slalom. I'd like every day I'd have at least ten minutes of a set or at least a whole set, like fifteen minutes, where I'd just go out and kind of muck about go the wrong foot forward slalom just silly things i could always just go out for the last set and have fun or at least the cable for like an hour but yeah every day i just didn't want to get on the train Hello, hello, and welcome back, or welcome to the Waterski Podcast. This is Matteo Luzzeri, your host, and the goal of this podcast is to grow and promote the sport of waterskiing, primarily through the voice of people in the sport, skiers, drivers, judges, tournament organizers, amateurs, pros, whatever, and whoever wants to talk to me about waterskiing. What a pleasure this was. This is the first part of an interview with uh, Joe Poland. Joe Poland is the current world overall champion and uh, it's not exceeding in saying that he's a sensation in the sport of water skiing. Um, extremely talented both uh, on the water and off the water as a, as a personality of the sport and the way in which he represents himself the brands that support him and um, and overall the sport in general this is a young skier um, who nevertheless has shown extreme levels of performance in all three disciplines to the point that uh, he could compete at pro tournaments and shoot for podiums in all three of them and he has done podiums this year and we we certainly talk about that more a little in, in part two of this interview. But in the first part, we take our time to explore the younger days and his upbringing into the sport, which is a peculiar one, I would say, and also a story we might have heard from, from other skiers. So family, um, dedication, and in him, the fun aspect of water skiing was pretty much... Uh, prevalent from the start which was a pleasure to to hear about um so yeah this is the first part of uh, my interview with joel i hope you enjoy it and uh, i want you to know that we are back with some advertisement please uh, check out the advertisers they really help the podcast to continue and to to grow so i'll read a couple of ads now and then we'll jump into the first part of our of my interview with Joe Pollan. This episode is brought to you by Real Frequency College Consulting, a returning sponsor of the Waterski Podcast. If you're a collegiate-bound student or a parent of one, this is an exciting and stressful time. It's common to become overwhelmed with the admission process, college research, deadlines, essays, and picking the perfect college ski club culture, if that is something you want to do. And we highly encourage it because, let's face it, they are all pretty, pretty awesome. Are you and your student making the best decisions based on your strengths to increase success and mitigate risk? Real Frequency College Consulting is with you every step of the way. Real Frequency offers strengths and purpose-driven narrative for the edge you'll need to get through your hardest life paths yet. Comprehensive college reports on over 6,400 institutions and extensive info on NCWSA affiliated schools, so the ski schools. Financial plannings from a college economic specialist, access to your, own very, to your very own admission essay specialist, and so much more. This process can feel like running your hardest pass, but it does not have to. Let Real Frequency take on the stress of admissions so you can enjoy the course and learn so much more about yourself in the process. So to check them out, go on realfrequency.com, that's R-E-A-L frequency.com, or you can text R-F-T-W-S-P to 509-759-2317 to schedule your free consultation. Real Frequency, 
the stress isn't worth it, but a college consultant is. So you can mention TWSP or Matteo is the man, and you can receive 6% off, like the six buoys of the course, for your 9 to or 12 months benefit. So again, realfrequency.com. This episode of the Waterski Podcast is brought to you also by the Flowpoint Method. The Flowpoint Method is the online waterski training program developed by Jenny Labaw and Marcus Brown, one of the guests of this show. Jenny and Marcus leverage on years of experience and competencies to give you a truly holistic approach to water skiing, covering technique, fitness, nutrition, and mindset. For the Northern Hemisphere folks, the first week of off-season started yesterday. So this means hitting the gym and working hard to prepare for a great 2022 season. Speaking of gym, what I truly love about the program is the extensive library of instructional videos showing proper technique and execution, which I believe is so crucial when it comes to heavy weights or very technical uh, workouts. From amateur skiers to seasoned pro, the Flowpoint Method provides structure and guidance for anyone who is truly committed to take their skiing to the next level. So you can become a member of the Flowpoint Method or take advantage of the 14 days trial that they have going on by going to thewaterskipodcast.com slash method one word, or you can click in the link in the show notes. All right, so without any further ado, let's enjoy this first part of my interview with Joel Poland. Joel, welcome to the Waterski Podcast, my friend. Thank you for Thank joining you for me. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. I've been wanting to do this interview for a long time. Um, and if I, if, if I may say, like one of the reasons why I host this podcast is that I really want to talk to people and get to know people. And I honestly don't know your, your story that much. Um, so as you probably know, I'm going to start with the usual water ski podcast question, which is how'd you get into water skiing? Oh, it's, uh, it's not too long a story, really. I started skiing with my dad or my dad was a barefooter. And he used to get me up on his skis when I was pretty young. I must have been around two or three. Um, but I was never really into skiing that much. I didn't want to do it by myself. I kind of like just hanging out with my dad on the boat and skiing with him. And one day he convinced me to go out on the surfboard behind the boat. And we were going like, I was like, I didn't want to do it. He convinced me to do it. And I was probably only going about a mile an hour. I was like, okay, okay we can maybe go a little faster. So I'm giving him the thumbs up, thumbs up. And then by the end of it, you know, we're going... For what, for, for, you know, six or seven year old me, it felt pretty quick. Um, right. And then after that, I was like, I want to ski. I want to wakeboard. I got super into it. I took uh-huh. a little gap at one point. I watched the movie Jaws and I was like maybe eight. Which is <laughs> okay. like, I don't know what my parents were thinking. But uh, yeah, I watched the movie Jaws. That put me off skiing for about a year. Got back into it. And then I think it was in Extreme Gene in Spain. I went... I was a wakeboarder. I didn't want anything to do with skiing. And they were like, hey, come out on the boat one day. Come ski with us. Right. So I went out skiing. And it was like the first time I'd ever seen a slalom course. First time I'd ever tried one. And like in two days, I was running the slalom course. I was like, this is awesome. This is what I want to do. And I I didn't touch a wakeboard again for years. (laughs) No way. No way. Skiing since. Extreme Gene, I've only been once. But I think they do both wakeboarding and water skiing, right? Yeah, so I went there as a wakeboarder. I'd hang out with the wakeboarders all day. My dad would go with the skiers all day. Um, mm-hmm. And so we didn't see that much of each other because you're in different boats. And right. then uh, he was like, yeah, come hang out with us for a day. And I did. I'm glad I did. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, it turned out pretty good for you. Yeah, but uh, how, well. how old were you around this I must time? Have been, I must have been around 10 or 11. Okay, okay. I was pretty young. So I guess one of the questions I have is what what attracted you to wakeboarding? Like why wakeboarding in the first years? Um, well, I had a lot of energy as a kid. Like I got pretty good ADHD, so I'd never sit still. And mm-hmm. like behind the boat, you know, one set is 10, 15 minutes and you can only do, well, I used to do a lot a day, but you can only do so many. Whereas on a wakeboard, there was a cable and that was just hours so I just go around on that thing literally all day for hours on repeat. And that yep. that was kind of the thing. 
that I was really into, and I wanted to do backflips. I didn't know what trick skiing was at that point. Mm-hmm. Just wanted to go do backflips, hit the kickers, <laughs> well, do a backflip. Right. That's what I was into. <laughs> so where were you riding on a cable? Was this in like back at back home or? Yeah, I mean, for anyone that knew Prince's Prince's Water Ski Club, that was a that was one hell of a place. We had two cable lakes, and I think there was three ski lakes. Yeah. And um, a wakeboard lake. And that's where I got started off. I started on the cable there, wakeboarding. Um, before that, there was a club called Spellthorn, which was a barefooters club. And then when my dad started skiing, he wanted to find somewhere to ski. So we went to Prince's. And yeah, I spent a few years there. But so, hold on. You said that when you were really, really little, your dad was a barefooter, but he had skis in the boat. So yeah. sounds like your dad also did from wakeboarding to, to slalom skiing, I'm assuming. Yeah, I mean, he was a barefooter. He was always into barefooting. That's what he did when he was maybe a little older than me. He would have been around like late 20s, early 30s. And he barefooted for years. Um, and then he's part of a barefooters club, had a boat, and he was getting too old for barefooting and keeping up with me. His barefooting crutches right. hurt, hurt quite a lot. So he started yeah. slalom skiing because of me, really, to try to keep up. And I couldn't barefoot. I was too young. I probably could have, actually, looking at kids these days. But... Right. <laughs> Yeah, so, so he wanted to get skiing more for me. But and then you, so he was barefooting. You sort of tried, but then you got into wakeboarding, and then he got into skiing, and then eventually around age ten or eleven, you sort of merged yeah. into the skiing. Nice. Yeah. And so was it like? Did you guys ski together a lot after that? Like, were you just slaloming together? Oh yeah, that became our thing. I mean, even still, when I come home, I ski with my dad. He's like, he's my skiing partner, really. Um, uh, when he started skiing, he had a bit of experience. So he was starting to get into short line as I started skiing or he started cutting the rope Yeah. and it was always competition. I was always trying to catch up with him and he's like a, he's a pretty good 14 meter skier. Yep. Just as I was sort of turning about 12 and that's kind of where I was about. So it was like a race who could run 14 th- first. Yeah. And yeah, so that was like, that was my driver. I think trying to beat my dad. <laughs> Right, 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 right. I, I think, uh, I mean, personal experience, I had the same, right? And then you, you yeah. find eventually that moment where you, where you just pass that and yeah. that can, can catch up anymore. But um, I guess, what, what were those years like? Were you guys going to tournaments together? Like, were you really leaving the sport with dad? In the beginning, it was, we would just go to Prince's on a weekend. I would actually get a taxi straight from school. And kind of hang out there for an hour or two till he was done work and then he would come and would go ski i still wakeboarded a bit so i'd go on the cable and wakeboarded i used to slime on the cable as well just because why not right (laughs) um and yeah we we spent a lot of time in the beginning just me and him on the lake skiing having fun and then we went to a tournament i think it was at prince's and we got introduced to like three events for the first time i saw all the kids tricking and jumping it's like that's what i want to do so he went and got me a trick ski, he went and got me some jump skis, or there was some in the shed, like, I think they were like 90 inches, and I was like 20. Okay, <laughs> that's <laughs> a little long start, <laughs> right? And uh, I started I started doing three events, we started going to tournaments, and uh, one thing led to another, we went to pretty much every tournament in England, started going to Europeans, I don't think he's missed a single Europeans or Worlds I've ever gone to. Oh, wow, that's yeah, cool. that's pretty cool. That's cool. So but that, that's really interesting, like sort of like introduction to skiing, you know, Cause like, so dad clearly into toad water sports. Yeah. You somewhat, you know, and then into wakeboard and into slalom and then you get exposed to overall. Okay. I want to do that. Yeah. Um, now what I, I guess like, was it immediately competition for you? Because it was competition with dad, right? Yeah. But when you started going to the tournaments, right? Was was this the the thing that fueled wanting to ski more? I was never. I was always competitive, but it was more. Um, it was more like against myself, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like my dad used to drive me with things like, if you can go around on the cable for like fifty laps in a row without letting go, then on the way home we can stop at the gas station. You can have this. Right, and it was he was kind of like fueling me with like reward by doing things, um, yep. and that actually still 
carries on now. <laughs> okay. In in a way. Um, okay. But yeah, like in the beginning, it wasn't really competitive. It wasn't until I actually started skiing with John Battleday. He taught me how to be competitive. He he built that into me. <laughs> right. Right. Um, before we go into you starting to ski with John, I, I, lo- I love how you said, you know, like you would get a cab, get to Princess, hang out for a couple of hours before Dad would show up after work. Yeah. Um, give a sense for the listeners that have, haven't had a chance to go to Princess to just give a description of that place because it was a truly unique place. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. I mean, they had a bar on site. They had like Xboxes for the kids to use. Um, they had like a little restaurant in there. They had sort of play areas for all the kids. They have the cables. There's loads of people always around. And like it was quite a good community actually in the beginning. It sort of fell off towards the end. But when I was there, it was a really good community. Everyone knew each other. You know, I had a coach, Duncan, who um, he took yep. great care of me for years. And like I would show up to the lake and just whoever was there would be like, oh, Joel's here. And it was just normal that a 10-year-old, 11-year-old was there without his dad. Is that right. that comfortable of a place, that safe? Yep. Um, yeah, it was, it was a really amazing place. It's a real shame that that place got shut down. Yeah, yeah, I got to see it, I think, the year before it closed or two years before yeah. it closed. Um, no, and I got, I got a, like, the, the, the feeling was, like, say, I went there to skip Princess Pro-Am with my family. Yeah. And my dad and I ski. My sister now skis, but she didn't at the time. My mom doesn't ski. Okay. And yet it sort of worked. Like the bar, the fitness facility, a bit of walking, all green all over, very well taken care of. It's amazing, huh? You know? Like it, it was just a good community vibe. Yeah. I, yeah. I, that's Big what I sense. Community vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Really cool place uh, to grow up. Yeah. And I think those things mark you when you're growing up as a kid, you know? Like, uh, I mean, one thing is you go, there's a perfect lake, you ski, you're done, you ski, you leave. Another thing is where you go to a place to ski, particularly when you're young, where it's a bit more family oriented, a little bit more uh, just fun to be there, I guess. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, like everyone there was a family. So I think for me as well, as a kid, I was used to being around adults Mm -hmm. and like that's passed on. I think as I've grown up, like I'm pretty comfortable talking to strangers and adults all the time and I noticed that a little bit with some other people my kind of age and even some a little older that they're not as comfortable actually like just you know talking smack around the lake right right. Uh, a little bit more tense and I think that part of that comes from princes being 12 year old talking to a 52 year old and just getting in out my of the head cab. we're on the same we're on the same level yeah exactly exactly and I think I remember interviewing like you know Will, Freddie, others with they, they explained to me there was this sort of like levels thing in the UK where almost like no matter the age, you were sort of grouped into scores. Was that the case when you were growing up as well? Yeah, I never paid too much attention to that, honestly. I had no idea. Like uh-huh. I had no idea about other people's scores for quite a long time. Okay. It was more just like whatever happened on the day between me and all my buddies. But, um, okay. Yeah, it was, it was a while until I really realized what competing against other people for like you know the whole entire year meant was just show up to the tournament you ski against each other head to head right 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 so was that moment where you started to you know understand that there's other people you're competing against and and levels and whatnot did that sort of coincide when you started skiing with john i got competitive when i started skiing with john Right. He gave me a lot of base layers of how to train. He got my basics really good. And like, it was at the point I was still like, I was the worst tricker in England by far. Like, I think okay. I remember we were trying to break a thousand points and it was such I... a big thing. And all the other kids my age were tricking like 1,500. And there was a kid that could do a flip. We called him the flip God. Do one <laughs> flip. <laughs> Man. Stuff then, to imagine, like, you know, like, hearing you say that now but of course everyone has to start from somewhere yeah i mean like you'll start somewhere and at that point i was very much the underdog and then i had one winter where i went away i went and did a flip camp with mike ferrero learned my first flip and skied with matt reaney for like one set 
Yeah. And my dad had been skiing with him all week and he was like, oh, this is great. Like you need to, you need to start skiing with Matt. So he sent me out there for like three, four weeks. Well, he sent me out there for one week and I called him up on the first night and said, I hate it. I want to go home. I called him up on the second night and said, can I stay an extra week? (laughs) (laughs) I think I stayed for, must've been about three or four weeks. I went there six times in one winter. And when I came back, I'd gone from like the worst, like, I think it was under 12s at this point, the worst under 12s to like beating all the under 12s. I had four flips. I could do toes. My mm-hmm. slalom went through the roof. My jump went through the roof. Like all in pretty much one winter. I think everyone was a bit shocked by it. Well, I mean, I think that's a lot to gain in a winter, right? It was a lot. <laughs> now, I I think this is a perfect time to ask the question that I've been wanting to ask. Um, okay, so your left foot forward slalom. Yeah. Right foot forward tricks. Yeah. How did that come about? You know, I can't exactly remember it, like, the original day it happened, but um, I'm really dyslexic. When I first started slalom skiing, I didn't know my lefts or rights, so every set I used to switch feet. Okay. I just had no idea. And the coaches would be like, why have you got the wrong foot forward again? Like, you've just done four passes on the wrong foot, and I was still running the slalom course. Um, and then, obviously, I, I tricked a lot on the cable. Eventually, we figured out I was left foot forward, but I started tricking on the cable. And I was right foot forward because it's easier hillside edge to get around the first corner. Oh, that's right. That's right. So I tried toe side and I was like, I can't do it. So I went right foot and I could get round. Um, and then, yeah, I think my dad bought me a right foot trick ski. Like, it'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And, and it was. It was. Yeah, it worked. Yeah, it worked. Kind of weird. Yeah, it's 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 really weird because there's... um. There's a coach in Sicily uh, that, that I've known since I've been a kid. I've who, heard about him. Yeah, he does that as a system. Like, yep. So he says, okay, you're left foot forward in slalom and you're right foot forward in tricks, no matter who he has in front of you. And all yeah. these kids ski like that. Yeah. And so I'm, I haven't talked to him about you, but I'm, I'm certain that he gets so much confirmation about his theory, you know, yeah. just by going, okay, world overall champ is doing this. My theory has been right all along, you know? Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, I mean, I think there's something behind it because um, I think especially I am definitely left foot forward. I skateboard mm-hmm. left foot. I surf left foot. I kick a football with my right foot, but I put the weight on my left as I kick it. So um, right-handed or left-handed? I'm right-handed. Right-handed. E- both of them are equally bad when it comes to writing, but like <laughs> okay. I'd say I'm probably right-hand dominant. Okay. Um, that's what I drink all my pints with. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I'm kidding. Well, until until a certain amount. Yeah, yeah, and then you gotta go left. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but the theory is, when I trick, I spend eighty percent of my trick run backwards. Mm-hmm. So my left foot would be in front. So that's how I justify it to myself, at least. Some people kind of buy into it and believe me a little bit, but that's yeah. what I think. A lot of flips from the back, a lot of flips landing in the back. Yeah. 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 Like Ski I land back to back. Yeah. I pretty much just turn forwards every now and then. But yeah. I'm normally just backwards. <laughs> incidentally, you have to go like a ski line five front, you have to land forward, but yeah. that's quick. Uh, that's that's interesting. Yeah, the cable makes a lot of sense actually, because mm. yeah, you go hillside around the first corner, and even yeah. if you're sort of starting, you're already facing the cable as opposed to yeah. you know going yeah. toe side. Yeah, because you got to do a dock start. I literally yeah, yeah. I learned to trick on the cable. Like the first set I ever did was on a cable. Mm-hmm. It was just like so I had to start with a dock start. You just keep going until you figure it out. <laughs> right. And eventually, I was like, I've had enough of this left foot business. I'm going right foot. <laughs> Well, so that's what happens. Out. That's what happens when you leave like an eleven-year-old up to make his own choices. <laughs> exactly. But. Yeah, grab the cab and go to the cable and and wait for me. Yeah, <laughs> and he comes fine. back and he's right foot forward <laughs> in tricks. <laughs> so, um, let's maybe go into a little specifics. What are some of the things when you started working with John that he sort of addressed? Maybe in slalom, in tricks. What were some of his fundamentals? He was really, really big on the basics of you bend your knees, you stand still when you slalom, 
the trick. I just had to do 360s, 360s. We broke everything down to like the most basic, simple level. Mm-hmm. So like when you're learning a trick, instead of just going out and trying to wake five, you did a wake back to back, a wake back to back with a front, like carry on to a five. And it's just constant practice sort of, of doing the trick without doing it. Yeah, like and drills. that was all, it was all the drills. But uh, I think the thing he taught me most is like mindset. He used mm-hmm. to be so, so hard on me. Like, and he, he probably remembers some of this, but he used to just shout at me like to the edge where I'm crying in the water. Like I'm, I'm a little kid. He was, he was a real <laughs> savage. And at the time I'm thinking, this guy sucks. Like I hate this guy right now. Right. And I guess the point was he put like immense amounts of pressure, pressure on you as a kid and like in practice. So I'm used to having crazy pressure on me. I get to a big tournament. It's like, oh, this is nothing. Like I've had someone literally shouting in my face telling me I suck. Right. Don't do not mess this up. If you mess this up, you're swimming in and it's like freezing cold. <laughs> and like wow. a little bit more French in there normally, I'd throw a few words at you. <laughs> but uh it worked. I mean, like I'm I'm glad he did it, especially I was I'm still a bit of a cocky kid, but I was a real cocky kid and he had to kinda knock me down a few levels and keep me humble. Right. Right. So but. mindset um no, nah, that's that's an interesting one because I mean obviously John was an extremely uh accomplished water skier. He has done yeah. all of them. He has won most of them, you know, so um it, it makes you wonder like, you know, maybe he did it because he saw you as a little cocky kid, but also he must have seen some potential. Otherwise, you know, I think I think he saw the potential. He always said that I'll be a tricker. Um, even when I'm sitting there doing 360s on the water, I don't think he was expecting I'd be doing these kind of flips. I mean, right. when I do them now, he sends me a message like, that's mental. <laughs> <laughs> and like, tell me what you did because I can't figure it out kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I think he saw the potential, but he he made a big effort of off the water your mindset you don't throw a tantrum at the end of your set you deal with it like a man kind of thing Mm -hmm. what went wrong let's go back and address the issues um yeah like it was a lot of off water training i'd say more than sort of on water he did teach me a lot on the lake yeah good mentor no no i mean I i would imagine i mean there's a lot of there's a lot of skiers who mention him as an influence so you know clearly yeah. he's doing something right yeah um i was curious in the specifics with you um now were you already jumping at the time was jumping already in the picture um yeah i'd started jumping i think i started skiing with john when i was around 11 mm-hmm. so i'd been at prince's for maybe a year or two and my dad said okay we need like a legit coach someone that knows what they're doing kind of thing because i was skiing at prince's but you have a different coach sort of every set so we needed some more consistency and freddie winter skied with john so he sent me to go ski with freddie and uh with john and get that consistency yep um i forgot what your original question was actually (laughs) no like uh if you're already jumping at the time like you were skiing with john so i was skiing at prince's i was jumping but we didn't really know what we were doing. There was no jump coach. Okay. So he sent me to go ski with John because he knew what he was doing. I mean, he had coached Jason Seals. So yeah, yeah. at that Pretty point, solid he was jumping start, yeah. 70 meters. So it was like, yeah, this guy knows what he's doing. Right. And yeah, John didn't let me go over the ramp. He was like, nope, you're not allowed. He just made me ride my skis up and down, up and down, super slow. Like couldn't even go fast. And then eventually, okay, we can do singles. We can do singles. And we could only do singles. And I was sick of it. I really wanted to do doubles in three quarters. Right. And uh, the first time I ever did a three quarter was in a tournament. Two of my older friends, who I was looking up to at the time, they were like, you should do doubles. I was like, <laughs> nah. And then they were like, okay, well, at least do a three quarter. So I right. was like, okay, okay, I'll do it. Like, if you say it, I'll do it. And they tell me how to do it. Give me a little land lesson. I'm like, perfect. I go out. I do my first ever three quarter in a tournament. I'm so early digging as hard as I can. I come off the ramp halfway, let go of the handle, didn't roll, <laughs> took a massive <laughs> stack. No. And I'm laying in the water. I remember this. It really hurt my ankle, but I remember being like, John's going to kill me. 
so in, in those days, like, were you already thinking overall or was it more like, okay, jumping and slaloming and tricking sort of like in, in separate compartments? You see what I mean? Yeah, I, it was definitely separate. I mean, every week it would change. Like I would just only slalom for like two weeks and then I would only yeah. jump for two weeks and I would only trick for two weeks. Um, unless John was there, John would be like, you have to do it every single day. But on a weekend, I'd go ski at a different lake called Gosfield. It's, um, you know, Vince Turp. Yeah, of course. of course. It's his lake. I'd go ski there and there was a little bit more freedom of like, you want to jump? Let's go jump. You want to go trick? Let's go trick. Like, let's follow your passion more. Yeah. Which that mixture was really good for me because um, it kept me interested kind of thing. And then I'd go ski with John and he had to kind of be like, okay, you've jumped seven times this week. You need to slalom and trick. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it's cool. You had that balance of like structure, but then you knew that in the weekend, if that week was like a trick week, you could go to Vince's and he would just let yeah. you trick. Yeah. That's cool. It was good. Yeah. Now, what would you say was the first time that you felt you were getting good I around those think, years i think it would have been my first my second under 14 europeans okay I, I i didn't really know what a ranking list was i mean like i didn't have an iphone or anything like that or a laptop so i didn't go on and look at it like you can now it wasn't as easy mm -hmm. um and yeah my first europeans well i guess earlier in the year i've been chasing the slalom record and at that point, like, I know I'm, like, an okay skier, but I think I'm good for England. Yep. And I went to my first Europeans, no idea what to expect. And I ended up breaking the British record. I think I came third in jump. I won overall, and I won slalom. So that was and your made, second... That was that my was second your sec ever Europeans. Okay. Where, where, where was that? Uh, that, was in, that was in France. I can't remember what lake it was. Mm -hmm. but i remember that was in france um and like I, I made a lot of friends that trip like i'm still kind of best friends with a lot of those people i think back to it now like it's crazy to think that pretty much all my best friends i met most of them on that but on that second ever europeans trip but yeah that yeah. was like the first time i realized oh i'm actually like not too bad at this i could be yeah. pretty good if i tried yeah and then yeah that was big motivation for me any any sort of cool little story about the European, something that happened that you still remember well? Um, I think it was the first time I got introduced to singing an anthem. Aha. Uh -huh. <laughs> I can't remember who it was, but I know it was the Italian anthem, and they were singing it as loud as they could. And I was like, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I was, and then that. I was standing on my podium, and I didn't know my anthem, and I'm like, man, I wish I knew it. And then that was well, after that, I knew my anthem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I remember last month I heard you sing it pretty pretty well and loud. <laughs> I sing it pretty hard and pretty loud. I mean, it's my favorite song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll get to that one. Now, um, so you said, okay, uh, you, you finished the trip. You're like, okay, uh, I might be pretty good at this if I put my heart and soul into it. Yeah. Um, well... I'm assuming that was your last under 14 European. Yeah. I mean, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So you were 14. Um, and then comes the first year of juniors, which the first year of juniors can be a tricky moment, right? Like you're skiing against skiers that are two years older than you. Yeah. Like it's like that year where you're just rowing, learning 36 miles per hour. Yeah. Um, how was that? Um, you know, I was really lucky because I had Rob Hazelwood growing up. Yeah. And we were the same age. So I had someone to compare myself against directly because we're like neck and neck. We're in different ends of the country, but we go to the same tournaments. We ski against each other once a month at least. Mm -hmm. So over the winter, I'm at Matt's. He's going out to Tom and June's in America. Like we're both going to America a bit at this point, get the winter training in. And you see videos of each other. Like I saw a video of him doing trick and I was like, man, I need to get better at trick. <laughs> right. But I think jump was actually my best event that year i came back i think first year i jumped like 50 meters which compared to some of the kids now isn't massive but the year before i'd only jumped 40 so i'd gained oh. like 10 meters we'd gone up we'd gone up speed and we'd gone up ramp height as well 
Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I remember that being like quite a big thing for me that I jumped 50 meters and that was my aim. Slalom was good. Um, that went up maybe two boys, but we also went up a speed. Right. And I think trick was that was a year I learned two mobs. So I gained, Ooh. and then a few other toe tricks. So I gained about two thousand points. So it was like a, it was actually like a really big year for me. But yeah. after being, after winning Europeans, and knowing that next year it's going to be harder, and seeing all of the under seventeen scores, and you know, like in slalom, I think the win for that under seventeen Europeans, I don't think anyone ran eleven. Oh, so wow. in my mind, I'm thinking I can win Europeans next year. Like, I just got to train really, really hard. And same for jump, same for trick. I'm like, if I train really hard and I do what I did last year and gain a few passes and 1,000 points, then next year I'll be good. And I think it kind of worked. I can't remember where I came, but I definitely made some podiums at um, at the Europeans. I remember at Worlds, came third in jump and third in overall. Wow, as a first-year... As a first-year junior. Yeah, that was against um, Taylor Garcia. That was Taylor Garcia's last year. Oh, wow. So it's no, him that's... And, Nick, and Nick Lang. Yeah, that's that's very impressive because I think... I don't want to say that's the year where you gain or lose a skier. I don't, that's too harsh yeah. of a judgment. But it is a tough year, you know, because even physically, mentally, just, just those two years make such a big difference, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think it's, it's always a, I'm thinking as a coach now, like how, how do you keep those skiers motivated and they're improving, but they're still probably so far from those 17 year olds. And I love how you said, I just, I just kept saying, if I train hard, I can do it. If I train hard, I can do it. Um, is that, was that a constant throughout the years? I mean, you know, in the winters when it's really cold, I wanted to quit. (laughs) course but um you know like honestly i think a big a big drive for me was all my friends in the sport Mm -hmm. and i wanted to make the teams i wanted to go ski with them i wanted to ski against them and that was pretty huge for me but uh yeah like it's always just kind of been train train really really hard put all your effort in when you're out there like when you get in you can chill in the sauna and relax but when you're out in the water and that was a lot of john when you're out there you don't give 10%, you give 100%, like, you better concentrate, otherwise he's going to turn into the devil and shower you. <laughs> right. So right. you work hard. And yeah, he knows when you're in you're the not water. Working hard. Yeah. He knows the difference between working hard and having a bad day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's a tough thing, you know, especially for someone who goes into, as you said, devil mode <laughs> when, yeah. when someone is not trying. Because uh, noticing... To the untrained eye, especially in a sport like ours where you just make a mistake and you're done, uh, it's so it's subtle sometimes the not trying versus trying but it's not working, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I'm sure that like as experienced as he as he is, he was it was obviously super keen to notice the difference and letting you know. <laughs> well, I think his big thing is I don't care if you fail. I don't care if you mess it up, if you fall. You can do that as many times as you like. I care if you make the same mistake twice in a row. If you keep doing the same thing, you're not trying. And like, if you're just not putting in the effort, like, what are you doing out here, kind of thing? Yeah. It, it was real big on like, you do the work, mm-hmm. do whatever you want when we're done. But when you're here, you put in the work. Right. Right. It was big. Yeah. Now, since we're talking about you know, uh, fourteen, fifteen, those years. Um, how were you balancing? Were you playing any other sports? I mean, I think around that age is when I stopped. I used to like do downhill snow skiing. Um, it was more a dry oh, okay. slope. We did a few little trips. But um, yeah, I used to do some skiing. I used to play a little bit of rugby. I did some boxing, a little bit of karate. I did a little bit of everything, but nothing was really what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I did used to skateboard a lot. I'm good at riding oh, okay. a skateboard. I just can't do any tricks. But, oh, okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, I was always having to do something, but there was never any other sports that like really grabbed at my heart like skiing did. Yeah. Kind of took yeah. over for me. 
was this something that like your dad like your parents were encouraging like do it all do these other things or you were just like okay let's try that oh i always had to do something i mean that was pretty big with my dad i think my mom was always just like let him chill let him relax and my dad was like no he needs to be in a fighter jet he needs to be going full speed (laughs) (laughs) nice nice and uh yeah like that's i i'm really glad dad was like that with me though and then i like the side of my mom as well she's a bit more chill she likes to relax i think i my tournament mindset is more like my mom of like just relax stay calm although my dad's pretty calm too but i've got a good mixture of them too no no of course that's that's nice when you can take both sides you know and, and mix them up in the best yeah um yeah, the reason why I asked about other sports was more about like the balancing act that sometimes you feel like you have to to do at that age, which obviously the other big one is school. Yeah. So how was like what was your like say every average day of skiing during those days? Um, in the winter, I would only ski like on a weekend and a Wednesday, mm-hmm. and like because it gets dark in England in the winter at about four, so I'd leave school at like one get to the lake for around two and then just smash the sets out for two hours and then it'll be dark and I'd get a train home. Um, and then weekends would ski, but in the summers I went to the lake like every day and then I'd normally go after school. School would finish at four or four thirty. Yep. I'd get a taxi to the lake. It was like an hour's taxi, um, ski four, five sets. Um, normally like one slalom, a double trick, um, a jump set and then if I was like if I had some energy I'd go for like a slippery slam set like those fun trick sets you see I do on Instagram like I actually yeah, used yeah, to yeah. do that like daily ah and then I'd okay. get a train home I remember I hate the train <laughs> no way it was always so like cold it. I hate the train I still hate the train <laughs> oh no way see that's funny like I moved back to Europe after 13 years in the US last year and that's actually yeah. one of the things I was missing the most yet I, w- I don't normally take the train after a cold set in november yeah but just more leisure you know like oh i'm gonna go there with the train but yeah i can yeah. see how after five sets in three hours in november probably it's not the best experience it sucked it was horrible i mean <laughs> not as bad in the summer but right. i used to i'd either have my bike if i could fit my bike in the taxi or i'd have to walk mm-hmm. and the walk was like a 30 minute walk It'd be so cold and I'd have to wait for my train. If I missed my train, the next one wasn't for like another 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah, it not sucked. nice. It was, it was horrible. But um, it was kind of just like just what you did. Yeah. Just normal. Yeah, yeah. I hated it, but you had to do it. Yeah. yeah. If you wanted to train hard, that was that was part of the deal. Yeah. And yet I like how you like slippery slalom type of sets were like an everyday occurrence. Yeah, like... Even like on my jump skis, I would go run the slalom course and like slalom. I'd like every day I'd have at least ten minutes of a set or at least a whole set, like fifteen minutes, where I'd just go out and kind of muck about, mm-hmm. go the wrong foot forward slalom, just silly things. I could always just go out for the last set and have fun, or at least the cable for like an hour. Yeah, but yeah. Every yeah. day, I just didn't want to get on the train. <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah, for sure. But I, I find it interesting how, you know, you were skiing with John and John was like, when you're in the water, you do the work. And yet yeah. he would allow you to just take that one final set after you did the work where you just mess about. Yeah, it was never, a, it could never be the first set. I always had Not to well. go out and do the sets. If I had a bad set, he would make me go and do another one. Oh, okay. I, okay. Would, I would always have four sets booked. And then if I wanted, I could go for the fifth set. He'd have time for that normally. But mm. if I if I did like a bad set or I didn't put the work in, if I just had a bad slalom set, it was fine. But if I didn't put the work in, we went out there and we did it again. Yeah. And I didn't want to do it again. So I made sure I put in the work and then at the end, and that's the reward system. Yeah, it yeah, was yeah. Like, and even Very now, smart. It's, it's the same. Like I go out, I do the work, and then at the end of it, I go work on that new trick I want to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See, that's, that's, that's really cool because... Uh, I mean, super smart on John's part, but I think it's also, you know, a lot of coaches will tell you or will tell the parents, let the kids go play on the trick ski, like for fun and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But they never sort of like 
have it quite systematically you know it's just like okay the the boat is at the dock there's nothing to do the yeah. kids are you know it's a day off or whatever whereas you had it fairly frequently you know yeah yeah like at least three or four days a week well yeah yeah it's frequent um <laughs> do you think what did you think it gave you creativity creativity it gave me the creativity like that all the outside the box i mean i used to just jump the wakes like just like i can't imagine being the boat driver 15 <laughs> minutes and i'll just jump the wakes jump the wakes jump the wakes right and then they'll be like why don't you try doing something else but like all right i'll do a grab oh maybe i could do a 180 maybe i could do a grab with a 180 all right let's try do that in the song course now let's try to do a 360 before every boy Let's try to do a flip. Now a flip with a 360. And it just slowly evolved more and more and more into just... And even now, like I go out for a set. I'm constantly learning like silly little tricks. Mm -hmm. like monthly, I learn something new. And it's from snowboarding or wakeboarding or skateboarding. Yeah. Like I watch someone else do it and go, that looks cool. I'm going to try that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it almost... Yeah, it's cool because... It, it, it's almost like a trace from your wakeboarding early days. Because I think in wakeboarding, that's like the, the MO. Like you, you yeah. do that and then sometimes something comes about and you try it if you feel like it. If not, you yeah. just continue. Whereas you had that little trace and, and you still do. I mean, uh, yeah. anyone that, that sees your, your social media, they see it all the time that you're just out there having fun, just doing nothing that is on the trick books, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. I guess that was kind of the point of it for me, really. Like, that's that's what I loved most about tricking. Because I mm -hmm. hated tricking. <laughs> right. The thing that I loved about tricking was all the silly, fun stuff. I don't know if you know who George Mailing is. Of course. Yeah. You do? Yeah, yeah, very well. I don't know if you've ever seen his video from Bennett's. In, it was one of the winters. He goes out, and it's like a spitting image, pretty much, of the stuff I do. But just, you know... The oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I do remember that video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great song in it. Left, left, right, right. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I remember that. seeing seeing George Ebbenitz doing that because that's what I got to know George. Um, and he had he had that playfulness in his skiing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and that was the first person to introduce me to that on a trick ski. Mm -hmm. um, that was in Extreme Gene. I skied with him. He went for a trick set. Did the slalom course made a bunch of spray, did flips. It's like, this is awesome. Right. And then right. that's, that's kind of where it stemmed from originally, and then it kind of just molded into its own thing. Now, um, I, I, I think that's beautiful to get passionate about the, the sport of trick skiing. Mm -hmm. But then trick skiing also has that other aspect of repetition repetition consistency runs runs sequences sequences now was it hard for you to to shift modes or those little sets were giving you the opportunity to screw around and then when you were tricking you were doing sequences like how was that i mean i think john because i did a lot of my younger days tricking with john he understood that like a kid needs to see the progress mm -hmm. and if he can't see progress he'll get bored so it was always, he did a really good job of finding different fun ways to make trick interesting. So how could I go out there and do a thousand 360s and not get bored? Well, let's make mm. it a challenge. How many 360s can you do before the end of the lake? Let's do one really slow and then go faster and faster and faster until you're going so fast that you can like barely keep the handle in your hands. Uh -huh. So there was like, he was really good with keeping the drills fun. There was always a new fun drill. There was definitely days that, you know, I was fed up with it. I did not want to trick. So I put a slalom ski on instead. That right. was the that was the best part of three event. I could always do the other event. Right, right. Yeah. So okay, let's fast forward. We we said about first year junior. How were the, the other two years of juniors? Like pretty bang on podiums, wins and stuff, or any challenges? Yeah, I mean, it became a big competition of me and Rob on year year two because i had taken i'd kind of taken off a little bit on that first year i got a big head start mm -hmm. and i probably coasted a little bit too much actually coming into that second year of under 17s because i was ahead 
Right. And he taught me a big lesson that year. You don't, when you're ahead, you don't call off, you know, keep the foot uh-huh. on the gas. Cause he caught up and he overtook me and he was beating me in, he was beating me in slalom. He was on my tail and jump. He was kind of right behind me in trick, not far, but you know, if I missed a trick and he didn't, he beat me in trick. Mm-hmm. So that was a big learning curve for me. I had to work really hard that year. I did end up skiing pretty well. Um, I think that was a year he got injured actually. And he dislocated his hip. Oh, wow. Um, otherwise, I'm sure he would have just carried on getting better and better and better and over- overtaking me that year. But uh, that was like a big, big kick up my ass. I think I I think I think won my first under-17 Europeans that year. Mm-hmm. I think it would have been an overall or... No, it was in slalom. Okay. And it was because uh, Jakob... Yep. From Sweden, he messed up in slalom basically. But I got like 3 at 11. He messed up and I think missed his first pass, but he was like running 11 at this point. Mm-hmm. So that was actually pretty lucky on my behalf, but I was like, I don't want to rely on luck anymore. And that third Ooh. year coming into that winter, I put a lot of work in. That was the year I really started grinding. I think I tricked. I tricked 10,000 for the first time. I jumped 56 and I got one at 10.7. As a junior. And that was, that was my final year. I was like, I'm going for it. And uh, yeah, real, real big push. Um, wow. Rob, Rob did beat me in slalom that year. I think he got three or no, he got four at 10.7. At, um, at Actually, now I think about, it, I think I got three at the start of the year. Mm-hmm. and yeah those are massive scores it was, massive it was pretty scores. huge like and bearing in mind there's two of us from the same country same like, age it was it was like i would never be where i am without rob mm-hmm. like yeah you my, said it from the beginning he's yeah, my yeah. greatest competitor of all time like he pushed me hard and he made me work hard for it. and even now like we still we still compete pretty hard yeah 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 no i'm i bet yeah. And I love, but I really love how, you know, like you won Europeans in slalom. Yeah, Jacob fell, but, you know, you could have thought that's part of the sport, you know, tough luck, I'm I'm the champ. And yet that made you, I'm not going to rely on luck anymore the next time I compete. Yeah. So I made you work even harder. Well, that, yeah, that's, well that's fantastic. And I, I didn't, I didn't win every event either. <laughs> <laughs> I only won slalom. I think I came Ooh. third, third in overall maybe, or second in overall. Mm-hmm. I was I was pretty mad about that because I came third at Worlds and I got beaten by two Americans. So I was like, I should win Europeans, right? And I didn't. And I was really mad right. about that. And I didn't win jump either. And I wanted to win jump. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that was like a that was a real big deal for me. It bugged me. I didn't want to lose again.